When Mussorgsky memorialised the work of his friend, artist Victor Hartmann, in pictures at an exhibition, he certainly wasn't the first musician to find inspiration in art or to reimagine an artistic vision in sound. This cross-fertilisation between the arts actually goes back a long way, though it inevitably takes different forms and meant different things at different times. For a rare early example, here's music by the late 14th century Flemish composer Johannes Ciconia, a very well-travelled man who spent the last years of his life in North Italy as a musician in the courts of Pavia and Padua. His music shows an acute feeling for emblems and heraldic symbols, such an important part of the visual culture of the time, as in this wonderful madrigal in the Italian style, Una Pantera, a panther in the company of Mars. The figure of a panther features in the arms of the city of Lucca, and no doubt this work commemorates an event that took place there, with words and music bringing the cold emblem to life. Another composer with an eye for emblems and symbols from some 300 years later than Ciccone was the extraordinary bohemian violinist Heinrich Bieber. Amongst his many wonderful works for solo violin, he created a sequence of 15 sonatas, each one in turn a meditation on one of the 15 sacred mysteries of the rosary. In the surviving manuscript, each sonata is headed by an engraving representing the corresponding mystery as they follow the lives of Christ and his mother, represented with incredible vividness by the music. Probably the most extraordinary of these is the 11th sonata, depicting the mystery of the resurrection. The strings of the violin itself are retuned so as to give the most incredible bright resonance to the instrument as the first Easter day slowly dawns to renewed life. Heinrich Bieber's vivid sense of pictorial imagination extended well beyond the sacred to the secular world as well. At this time, the so-called battaglia, or battle scene, existed as a popular subgenre, depicting in music the excitement and colour of battle, and Bieber contributed to this tradition with a battaglia of his own. We'll hear the first part of this work. In the opening section, the scene is set before picking out a particular detail on the canvas as we close in to observe a group of soldiers described as the dissolute company with humour of all kinds.
so Bieber's soldiers unceremoniously head off to the battlefield. Moving on a generation to the high Baroque, we find a culture obsessed with all kinds of visual imagery, taken sometimes to almost bizarre extremes. Nowhere was this more apparent than in Paris, and there the idea of the musical portrait reached new levels of subtlety and playfulness. The aim of art at this time was, above all, to be imitative, seeking to illuminate and deepen experience by holding an imagined mirror to nature, whether natural phenomena or aspects of the human condition. Condition. In art, we think of such painters as Chardin, Fragonard and Watteau, and in music, this ideal was keenly reflected in the work of François Couperin, whose keyboard pieces are famous for their use of descriptive titles, like playful musical portraits. Writing in the preface of his 1713 collection of pièces de clavecin, he wrote, In composing these pieces, I have always had an object in view, furnished by various occasions. Thus the titles reflect my ideas. I may be forgiven for not explaining them all. However, since among these titles there are some which seem to flatter me, it would be as well to point out that the pieces which bear them are a kind of portrait which, under my fingers, have on occasion been found fair enough likenesses and that the majority of these flattering titles are given to the amiable originals which I wish to represent rather than to the copies which I took from them. Couperin's words, like his music, achieve a charming effect through teasing provocation, nowhere more so than in his puzzlingly entitled work Les Barricades Mystérieuses, The Mysterious Masks or Mysterious Barricades. Is this title simply referring to the costumes worn at masquerade parties, or is it the tangled branches of a natural barricade, or perhaps the intertwined threads of fine lacework, or even the fate of the player's hands themselves, fixed to the lower half of the keyboard. This playful attitude makes us only too painfully aware of the endless possibilities of free imagination and ultimately the vanity of any art or artist to truly imitate anything. While Baroque composers still regarded images in an emblematic, generalised kind of way, all this changed in the 19th century as artistic expression for its own sake took on new significance. If a composer was to approach a picture through music, the aim had to be to not only comment on the surface features of the picture, but more importantly, find a way of reproducing the experience of that artwork to translate the genius of the artist into a new medium. Franz Liszt, never one to shy away from artistic challenges, was particularly inspired by the work of many artists, both of his own time and also the distant past. A painting of Orpheus that Liszt saw on an ancient Etruscan vase displayed in the Louvre Museum gave him the inspiration for his symphonic poem, Orpheus. The image with its iconic depiction of the legendary singer charming the savage beasts with his music, signified for Liszt an everlasting symbol of the civilizing power of art, transcending even time itself. As in Keats's poem on a Grecian urn, reaching out to unheard melodies. 
of all the composers of the 19th century who looked to fine art for their inspiration, none did so more thoroughly, perhaps, than Claude Debussy. Even in his own lifetime, critics liked to call him an impressionist, grouping his work with that of the artist Monet and his contemporaries, much to Debussy's annoyance, it must be said. He personally knew several painters, and the titles of many of his works make artistic references, estampe, arabesque, image. Even his nocturnes are named after Whistler's atmospheric studies of the River Thames, rather than referring to the nocturnes of Chopin or Field. The piano piece L'Ile Joyeuse makes a homage to Watteau's painting The Embarkation for Caithera, one of the masterpieces of 18th century French art, a dreamlike vision of pilgrims about to set sail to the birthplace of Venus, the goddess of love. Out of it, Debussy created a work filled with air, lightness and grace, the joyous island, a place of love and hope, both real and imagined. <laughs> 